Help defend the church by becoming a supporter of Family Life International. Your contributions enable us to continue our work to promote the faith, defend the family and promote the sanctity of life. Make a real difference today. Go to www.familyandlife.org.uk slash donate. From the epistle to the Colossians. Brethren, giving thanks to God the Father, who hath made us worthy to be partakers of the lot of the saints in light, who hath delivered us from the power of darkness, and hath translated us into the kingdom of the Son of his love, in whom we have redemption through his blood, the remission of sins, who is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of every creature? For in him were all things created in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominations or principalities or powers. All things were created by him and in him, and he is before all, and by him all things consist and he is the head of the body of the church, who is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, that in all things he may hold the primacy, because in him it hath pleased God the Father that all the fullness should dwell, and through him to reconcile all things unto himself, making peace with the blood of his cross, both as the things on earth and the things that are in heaven. In Christ Jesus, our Lord. And from the Gospel according to St. John. At that time, Pilate said to Jesus, Art thou the king of the Jews? Jesus answered, Sayest thou this of thyself, or have others told it thee of me? Pilate answered, Am I a Jew? Thy own nation and the chief priests have delivered thee up to me. What hast thou done? Jesus answered, My kingdom is not of this world. If my kingdom were of this world, my servants would certainly strive that I should not be delivered to the Jews. But now my kingdom is not from thence. Pilate therefore said to him, Art thou a king then? Jesus answered, Thou sayest that I am a king. For this was I born, and for this I came into the world, that I should give testimony to the truth. Everyone that is of the truth heareth my voice. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. In the days in which we live, the idea of kingship is somewhat strange. It is regarded as antiquated, a different kind of government. And I would imagine very few people would want to go back to the age of kings. But then when we look at the alternative, that of democracy, 
we see that even that is not exactly ideal. In fact, we can even say, considering the current political landscape, that democracy perhaps is not such a good idea after all. Because we find that the rule of the majority is not necessarily, and indeed in our time, is not exactly, does not exactly mesh with the law of God. And that fallen human nature seeks liberty, freedom from every law and every restriction. Whereas that of the king, the reign of the kings, was very much different. That did not mean that the kings were not exempt from faults. As we well know, many of them were. They were tyrants. But in God's plan, kingship had a particular purpose. The king was responsible for his people. And he was to ensure that there was administration of justice and the people were led in righteousness, which meant essentially that they, the, the king's job was to ensure that there were sound morals in the country. And in most cultures, the king was actually regarded as a son of God, or, some, or even in some cases, God incarnate. He was to be worshipped. But of course, as we know, the kings were human, just as all of us. And for some, they could not handle that kind of power. But what does that have to do with the feast of the kingship of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ? Well, quite a lot. In the middle of the 20th century, there was a steady rebellion against the moral law. A rebellion that has reached, hopefully, its, its peak now. But I'm, in my heart, I'm afraid it hasn't. I think things will get a lot worse. There was a rejection in the, in the, in the 1930s of the moral law. And it was this that moved Pope Pius XI to declare Christ the universal king by instituting the feast on this, the last um, Sunday of October. He didn't declare that Christ is a king. Our Lord is king. He is king by, for two reasons. First of all, he is king by birth, inasmuch as born from the bosom of the Father in eternity, and having, as we heard in the letter to the Colossians, having created all things, and having all things hanging on his will, he is naturally the, the begetter, the father, the, the, the source, the origin, the governor, the king of all things. And as the, the letter goes on to say, that he is king even of the angels. And this he has by right of origin, by birth. Birth, eternal generation from the Father, by his divine nature itself. But the king, one can become a king then by birth, 
But there's another way in which one can uh, achieve kingship, and that is by right of conquest. And in human history, we've seen frequently how one dynasty is, supplants another simply by right of conquest. And for this, our Lord himself also assumed the kingship. By his birth, he was king. By his human birth, he was king. The wise men coming to well, come Jerusalem asked the question, where is he that is born the infant king of the Jews? Well, first of all, no one is born a king. You can be the son of the king, and when the father, when the father dies, then one becomes king. But to be actually born a king, not so. So in, the wise men were, in fact, proclaiming our Lord's eternal generation. They had already recognized this. Herod, of course, is disturbed and makes an attempt to do with the child. But our Lord is born a king. He's now going to achieve this kingship by right of conquest. And how would he do this? Well, essentially, by his suffering, his passion and his death, which is what we heard in the gospel. But before I go on to that, there's something that's very, also very, very interesting. In ancient times, when a general had conquered the country, he would be crowned. He would be crowned the lord, the king, if you like, of that country. And the crown was not of gold or silver or any precious metal. It was from the vegetation of the country. That's why you'll see that many of the Roman generals were crowned with laurel leaves or plant, a, 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 plant a, a crown made of plants. And they were given the title of the land which they conquered. So for instance, um, Claudius was called Germanicus and um, Caesar Britannicus because they conquered um, Germany and, and um, Britain respectively. But the crown was made from the, from the vegetation of the land they had conquered. Now the earth, what is the natural vegetation of the earth? And the answer, of course, is thorns and thistles. Because when Adam sinned, God cursed the ground on his account as punishment. He said, it will bear you thorns and thistles. You'll struggle with it. So this is the natural vegetation of the sinful earth or the earth after Adam sinned. And so it's very interesting that the soldiers, when Pilate had handed over our Lord to them, took the Lord, they dressed him in purple, the royal color, and they took the thorns, the natural vegetation of the earth, and they crowned him with it. And in doing so, they were proclaiming that he had conquered the sin of, and, and, and temptation and hell and all the evils that had overpowered us. And they were in fact declaring him to be king of the earth. And so in the, in the um, gospel that we heard, the Jews have tried our Lord in the 
religious court. The charge is blasphemy because he claimed to be the son of God. But they cannot bring this charge to Pilate because Pilate, a pagan, believing in many gods and certainly as a Roman, believing it's possible for the gods to have children, would not be impressed with such a charge. So they twist the charge to that of arrival of Caesar. They do not do this initially because if they can avoid bringing politics into it, they would. Their only concern is that Christ should die. And so, as we heard, they brought him to, to, to Pilate, and Pilate said to Jesus, Are thou the king of the Jews? And our Lord answered, Sayest thou this thing of thyself, or have others told thee, have told it thee of me. In other words, is this what you think? In which case, bring your proof, bring the evidence. Or, if this is rumor, bring the witnesses. Is simply what our Lord is saying. And Pilate responded, Am I a Jew? Thy own nation and chief priests have delivered thee up to me. What hast thou done? So Pilate has thrown the question, the, 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 the onus back on our Lord. What have you done that you should appear here? What is the crime? And our Lord answered the first question, Art thou the king of the Jews? He says, My kingdom is not of this world. If my kingdom were of this world, my servants would certainly strive to ensure that I'm not delivered up to the Jews, which is the way that human kingdoms go. That the, the citizens, the soldiers, certainly would ensure that no one takes captive the king. So our Lord is saying, you do not need to be fearful of my kingdom because it is not a political kingdom. It does not belong to this world. It's not interested in territory. It's not interested in force, in power. And Pilate says, said to him, Ah, so you are a king. And our Lord answers, Yes, you have said it. Yes, I am a king. For this I was born. I was born a king. And for this I came into the world. And what is this? for which he was born and this for which he came into the world, that I should give testimony to the truth. And this, in fact, is the hallmark of Christ's kingdom, truth. Truth is fundamental. What kind of truth? Essentially, that God is one. This is what Christ came to testify to. That God is one that's created all things and that he, has, he loves us with an infinite love. So great a love that he sent his only begotten son. So that the creation, all of us, might not perish, but that we might have everlasting life. This truth can only be heard 
by those who are on the side of truth, or better still, we can only hear the voice of Christ if we are on the side of truth, if our hearts are open to the truth. Coming from the truth also is the fact that all of us are sinners in need of salvation. That we do not have the power, the strength to observe the law, God's law, which itself is truth, by our own efforts. But rather, we need the assistance of Christ and above all of his Holy Spirit. That the law, the moral law, is necessary if we are to have eternal life. It is necessary if we are to be saved. That the moral law is not determined by votes or by numbers or by polls or by however great the number of people who agree or disagree with it. That God is the one who determines the law. And that this law is the, the, the means by which we can live our life to the full. The modern world in which we live, of course, rejects this. The modern world tells us we should be free. Free of every restraint and every law. That we can do what we wish, when we wish, how we wish, for as long as we wish. And that this will give us happiness. Whereas the truth, in fact, is the opposite. We can only be truly happy in this world as long as we conform ourselves to the law of our being, of our nature, as has been revealed by Christ. And our laws, the human laws by which we live, have in fact to reflect the divine law. When, there is, when the human laws reflect the divine law, then the society itself begins to be truly we can say truly divine. It is what God himself wills. And this can only happen when the kingship, the social kingship of our Lord is recognized. When the moral law, as has been revealed to us by Christ, is observed. In the letter to the Colossians, the apostle tells us, we should give thanks to God the Father who has made us worthy to be partakers of the lot of the saints in light. He says, of the lot. That is, we have been, we've been given a, a chance to be part of the saints in light. Not something we deserved, but something that is freely given. And what is more, he has delivered us from the power of darkness. And the power of darkness is essentially on truth. The power of darkness is nothing other than the father of lies. We have been given the truth and has translated us into the kingdom of the son of his love. So we have literally been taken from darkness into light. And this is what we should give thanks to God the father for. And we have redemption through his blood. This is how Christ has won the, 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 the kingship by right of conquest, by his blood. He died and he rose again. 
so that our sins might be forgiven. And all of that because he is the image of the invisible God and he has reformed us into that same image. Let us ask then that the that Christ the King might truly reign in the hearts of each and every one of us. And this will happen when we faithfully keep the moral law. We ask that he will also reign in our families. And this will happen when we bind ourselves together with constant prayer and concern and a willingness to speak the truth to each other in charity. And that he's also the king of our societies and our country. And this will happen when our governments once more observe the law of God. And when all acts of all laws are in perfect harmony with the eternal law, the moral law. And then Christ will truly be seen to be king. He is king already, whether we see it or not. But we will see him to be king. And then we will have what he has promised. Peace and all good things that come with it. May Christ the King rule in our hearts and may he translate us out of this world into his heavenly kingdom, having found us faithful. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. This MP3 recording has been made available by Family Life International. Help us to make many more available in order to promote our Catholic faith. Go to www.familyandlife.org.uk and donate today. Thank you.